Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to I Never Know What Number It Is of Dunzo. This is me, Troy McKeady, and I am, this is a milestone episode, and I know that I say it literally every single week, and sometimes it's true, sometimes it's only true in my head, but today it's like, it's really, really true. If you read the description, you know what we're talking about today, and I am joined by my friend, Kirby Johnson. Kirby, how are you? I'm so good. And you're right. This is a milestone. When you asked if I wanted to talk about this iconic album, I was like, wait, you haven't discussed this yet? This is crazy. It's insane. You would think, it's like I've talked about it in passing so much that I thought I had done a whole episode. And it's like, no, I've just for four years small talked about it, which is a real look into my psyche. Totally. 100%. (laughs) It just lives there rent free. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Kirby, I feel like you do so many things that I don't really know how to even introduce you. Like, I don't even know, what do you consider yourself in quotes? Oh my God. That's the hardest question. Um, When I worked at a publisher, I I was at Pop Sugar for eight years. I was their on-camera beauty reporter and producer. So I created over a thousand digital videos while I was there interviewing celebrities and reviewing beauty products, um, reporting on launches and things of that nature. I now co-host a podcast called Gloss Angeles that I launched after I left Pop Sugar. And it's me and my fellow wife slash beauty journalist, Sarah Tan, and we kind of break down what happens behind the curtain when it comes to beauty. So if you're curious about why certain celebrities look a certain way, does JLo really not do Botox? Um, are these products worth the money? How is marketing being used to sell you something that's actually not regulated by the FDA? We go into all of that stuff. So, um, but Everyone that listens to the podcast knows that Britney Spears is my heart and soul and (laughs) that I have a passion for her and her happiness. So that's why I'm here. (laughs) Well, let me just say that, but Jennifer Lopez definitely does not use Botox because she posted a picture in a sauna and apparently that means you don't, do you remember that? Stop, stop it right now. Well, you know. I actually, this is the thing. I kind of poked fun when she said she didn't use Botox. Like her injector is like, uh, everyone's going to know when she's like spraying olive oil on her face. Like nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. No, no, no. Everybody's going to know. But then the inauguration happened. And when she did her whole, let's get loud, you could see the furrowed brow. You could see the wrinkles on the forehead. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I actually don't think she does Botox, but she definitely lives a privileged lifestyle that probably contributes to why she does look so good. So we got to acknowledge those things as well. I mean, she's aging like a Merlot for no matter what she's doing. It's like, she's just, it's death becomes her. Yeah. A beautiful woman, a, a very beautiful woman. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so you and I just recorded a a Britney episode together and we talked about the importance of Britney. Well, we talked about a lot of things, but really we talked about um, the importance of Britney's hair and what it means in her life and what it represents as far as her happiness and if she's in a dark place and 
you know, her head shaping moment. And it was really incredible. Um, So you guys have to go listen to that on Kirby's podcast. And now we're going to transition into talking about blackout, which I, yeah, I can't believe that I haven't done this, but today's the perfect day. And I have to start by asking you, what does this album mean to you just on a completely selfish level? Like what were you doing when it came out? Where were you in life? I was a junior in college. I had like just started my junior year and this was like a fun party album. I was legally able to drink. I was ready to go right. at the same time. I, you know what I mean? I also have memories of that, not to throw in a pun, but chaotic time mm-hmm. in her life. And it reminds me of that, obviously, and like those memories being like concerned for her and all the drama. But then as well, like I felt like critically she was taken more seriously with this album because it was a turning point and her music sounded a lot different than it had in the past. Like there were little twinges of inspiration for Blackout in other albums, but it wasn't fully it wasn't fully there yet. And so when Blackout came out, I feel like it really embodied like her creativity and the sound she actually wanted to kind of make for the most part. So um, I have very fond memories of that album launching and just love the album in general because it feels the most like Britney to me. Yeah, I get that. I have a very similar, I was in college too. And it just, yeah, it was a, it was a party album. It was, you know, I always compare, I think that this album is a perfect sort of bookmark because if you are of a certain age, like you did grow up with Britney and, you know, the whole marketing thing behind Britney was that your lives sort of paralleled, like what she was going through in her life as a kid was similar to what you were going through what she was singing about and the whole thing. And then it just so happened that, you know, in 2007, when I was in college and in the most terror years of my life, Britney was too. And she released this album that was like, the soundtrack to my drinking in college. I mean, it was the yes. soundtrack to my partying. Yes, yes, 100%. And then obviously, you know, Piece of Me, the Vegas show um, launched. That was 2013, I believe, um, if not 2014, obviously inspired by the song on Blackout. But Piece of Me is my favorite a uh, single of all time for Britney. I love that song. I will list it's my ringtone. Um I'm just very <laughs> obsessed with it in, in so many ways. And I feel like then, you know, she brought that flavor to her Vegas show. So then when we'd go see her in Vegas, we're like screaming blackout, you know, screaming all of the lyrics to every blackout song because we were just, we were just so excited to finally see her in that element too. So um so many fond memories from tracks on that album. Yeah, it's wild too because it's like I feel like Blackout is an album that no matter who you are, like no matter who how what age you are, it is an album that transports you. Like it takes you to some different place in a different mindset and all of a sudden it's like I am on I'm dancing on the bar at Coyote Ugly. Like I'm yeah. I am a different person and then I open my eyes and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> it's not 2007 and I'm not a a celebutant." Um, yeah, 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 yeah. 
fact, I mean, you could have been. You could have been, really. I mean, anybody could have been at that point, right? Like, we in our head were like, we're hanging out with Paris and Lindsay. I'm at the cellar in Fort Worth, Texas, like, underground, (laughs) drinking something called the James Special, which probably should have been illegal. It was like Long Island iced tea with cranberry juice. It was horrendous. And then just literally screaming, give me more and, you know, break the ice and having the time of my life. It it really does transport you back to those moments. Well, speaking of, let's start with the, the song. I mean, it's amazing that it's the first song on the album and that we can just get right into it. Let's start with give me more. Tell me what this song, because I feel like when this song comes on, those first, those first like beats, it just does something to people. Like it yeah. just does something to people. I don't know what it is. It's because they know it's Britney, bitch. Like the <laughs> yeah. minute you hear that, I mean, you're like, okay, I'm in my moment. I'm in my element. I'm going to dance my ass off. This song, I mean, the whole album, in my humble opinion, is horny as hell. Mm-hmm. But this song, it's like... Guess what, people? I am horny. I yeah. love <laughs> love being horny, and I'm going to talk about it. Like that's that was like a general vibe, and I think for women, especially, you know, when I was 21, I probably wasn't fully uh, immersed in my own like sexual prowess at that point. But like totally. when I heard the song, I was like, okay. I can do this. Like, like I feel sexy listening to this song. And I think that's why so many people gravitate towards it because you can't not feel good listening to it. Yeah. This is a sex on the dance floor song. This is a nobody will see song. You know what I mean? This is like, (laughs) I'm going to grind as hard as I can into your crotch and no one's going to remember this tomorrow. So just let me do it. Until the next day you wake up and your friend's like putting the SIM card, like the 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 camera card into their computer to upload on Facebook. No. And it's all pictures of you grinding. <laughs> Troy, like, that's a just... deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> like where did that Nokia like handy shot or whatever come from? Um, but no, yeah, this out al- this song is so <laughs> this song is so for lack of a better term, it's it's very strange. It's a really weird song, and it's almost like peak weird me, if you will. Mm. The production mm-hmm. is like nothing I feel like I've ever heard in my life. And it's crazy that because of this song, this kind of became, you know, people talk about Blackout's influence. And I think because of Give Me More, like this kind of became the song of the the 2010, or the that the sound of the 2010s. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I can't remember who the producers were on that particular track, but they did several. It's a, was it Avant? I'm, I'm oh, yeah. um, blanking. Danger. <laughs> danger. Danger. And, uh, danger. <laughs> yes. And, I love saying danger's you know, name. I know, me too. When you read it, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. This guy means business. But right. I, you know, like that sound set the, the, the pace and the tone for the rest of the album. And then obviously they contributed to other songs on the album, but I really think like that influence, that particular sound is what kind of almost like legitimized the album. I know it's, it's, it's kind of cliche to say that because it's the first song and it's the first song you hear it's right out the gate. But I really think that especially as a single people are like, Oh, okay, this isn't 
baby one more time. This isn't, oops, I did it again. This isn't like, I know that you love anticipating, but this is not like an anticipating right. type of album, right? Like we're not disco on the day floor at our roller skates. We are getting ready to like whip our hair around and get sweaty and grind on some people. And that's what I love. About yes. It. The sketchers are off. They're tucked in the back of the closet and Brittany is in a patent leather, like pointed boot. And she yes. is stomping and jiggling her little butt on the, on a, on a pole on the dance floor. Um, yes. And this, this song also fits into, I talked about this recently a lot with my friend, Jesse, we did an Ashley Simpson. We're in the middle of an Ashley Simpson thing. And we were talking about um, this pop trope that I love when pop stars, uh, sort of thinly veil a song for the message to be to the public, but they like, it's about a guy, but really it's a song for like the media or whatever. And Britney is so, you know, that's been her thing for so long. And this is, I mean, it's like, I think the reason that this song transports you, not only because of the way it sounds is because it's like, we all know what was going on during that time. And just the simple phrase, give me more, you know, it just represents what was going on in her life so much. Like, it's totally. just, you just are inundated with images and videos. She turned our pain, her pain into our pleasure, right? Like, mm -hmm. she wanted so much more than what her life at that time was able to afford her because of her massive fame, because of the constant public scrutiny, um, obviously because of her team as well. But then turns out this complete banger and like you said, we're thinking it's about the hot guy that we, your hot woman that we see across the club. And, you know, we're like, should we be taking our clothes off? But it it does have that element, that deeper element that I always appreciate about Brit. Right. And I guess before we move on from this specific song, I, I feel like it, it should be mentioned that, you know, I also just did a, uh, a, a original doll recording and uh, I you know, one of the things about this music video is like, you know, we have this sort of like Microsoft office version of the video that exists. Um, yes. But there is a version that Britney had a really, you know, big part in where she wanted to die in the video and she wanted to like go to her own funeral. And there are photos of her, you know, filming it and stuff. And she, I mean, the message of her trying to get across to the public that she wanted to die like this not the first time that she had talked about that you know yes 100 percent. and you know what jumping off of that it makes me feel even more so than i did before that taylor swift is so heavily influenced by britney spears there are so many parallels to taylor's music and the narrative that she portrays in her music and britney Obviously, you know, that that video of Britney dying, going to her own funeral was not released, but it's like she, Taylor has quoted Britney in her songs, you know, Another Day, Another Drama Drama. Um, she talks about the old Taylor is dead, can't come to the phone right now. I mean, these are, I mean, maybe it's not even Britney. Wow. Maybe it's like a, a pop thing where when you get to that level of fame, you're experiencing very similar emotions and, you know, almost like handicaps being at that level of fame, not being able to live the life that you really want to live it at. So I think it's super interesting and probably a conversation for another podcast, but I, I love that. Yeah, that is really interesting, especially because Britney is sort of the prototype pop star. 
So it's like, mm-hmm. really, no matter who you are, you still sort of spider graph off of her in some way. Um, really? Let's talk about your favorite song. Let's talk about Peace of Me. I freaking love this song. And I think I love it because of the music video, which is truly, I, I, I keep using the word chaotic, but it's chaotic because yeah. she showed up 12 hours late for this shoot. And right. um, <laughs> like people were like, what the hell's going on? It won video of the year at the VMAs and people are like, this is the video she's winning for? Like what? Right. It's her dancing literally in a women's toilet, like with her hair. And apparently when she was filming it, she had her hair down, but she kept on wanting to put it up. So that's why you see the back and forth between her with her hair up and down the whole time. And the one thing that I actually really remember, which I cannot find now because I think it's been permanently scrubbed from the internet is that was the first video that I learned that, uh, celebrities in particular could be manipulated in video, like airbrushed, made to look smaller, like Photoshop for video and, um, like CGI style. I always thought, you know, it was like, you talk about magazines when you talk about Photoshop, but I remember there was a video that came out that did a side-by-side of what the production company received and what we saw. And it wasn't drastic by any means. You know, it wasn't like Khloe Kardashian level (laughs) airbrushing and like nose contouring and stuff. But like, it was really interesting to see how, because I don't think Britney cared. I don't think Britney really cared about how she came off, but it was interesting to see how her image was manipulated to look a certain way. And the same thing obviously happened um, with Work Bitch. If you Google uh, Britney Spears, Peace of Me video airbrush, all of the articles that actually come up are about Work Bitch and her waistline being made smaller um, within the video. So, you know, I think for for me as a woman mentally i think i think a lot like about how th- how did that affect her like she goes into a shoot she thinks she looks great she's killing it dancing her ass off and then when she sees the final product she's like wait a minute i'm i don't ha- my waist is not that small right now or my waist right. was never that small um and i think a lot of pop stars have to deal with that at this at this point in time because they have people like glam squads or assistants that are editing their photos or videos to filth and then posting them. So when they see an actual photo of themselves, they're like, I don't look that way. And it's like, no, that's, that's like actually how you look without manipulation. So it's really an interesting concept if you think about it. God, I, I honestly forgot all about the Photoshop thing. And I remember people that was such a big deal. I mean, people had so much to say, to say about that. Like, you know, that, it was fake and it wasn't really her. And I remember people thinking that they had like put her head on somebody like that rumor had just gotten. So it got like really crazy. Um, And yeah, that whole thing was just so weird with her, like winning. It was like MTV was just so excited that she was there that they were like, well, we'll just give you every award tonight. Like we'll give you best director. (laughs) We'll give you best on screen kiss, like whatever you want. You can just have it because you're Britney, you know, so weird. It's like, not for Slay For You or any of these other music videos that have, like, defined this network. Ex- right. Right. <laughs> it's so strange. Exactly. It does not make any sense whatsoever. But Piece of Me, you know, the song, I, I love that it's just, like, when I was doing some light research about this, the, the consistent um, – 
you know, phrase was like, she's at the, she's like begging you, oh, you want a piece of me? Or like, and then kind of mm-hmm. like telling you, oh, you want a piece of me? Like, mm-hmm. it's very playful, but it's also like, try me. Just try me. I'll take my right. hoops off, you know? Yes. Like, she's challenging you and also asking, you know, yeah, for sure. And it's, this song is great because it's the most direct she had ever been, I think, in a song. It was just a straight up, like, these are the things that are happening in my life. The public is treating me this specific way. I'm pissed off about it. Stop fucking with me. You know what I mean? It was, it wasn't um, as tongue in cheek as no. she had been in the past. It was just straight up, like, aggressive. And it was so, yeah. it's just so cool to see, to go back and view her that way because she is right now in such a, you know, a broken doll whole thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, there was a time when Britney was very just fuck you about everything. And it's cool. Exactly. One of the things that I love about this song is that I don't know if, do you know that Robin is in the background of the song? Yes. I read that and I was like, holy shit balls. Isn't this that is crazy? awesome. Yes. Like, and her voice is so heavily featured. It's not even like she's, you know, she's the chorus of the song. It's Britney and Robin basically having a duet together. I think mean, it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it It's like, that is kind of like the precursor to someone like Selena Gomez keeping Charlie XCX on right. one of her songs. Like, like it sounds like Britney when she's singing the chorus, obviously. It's obviously more of her vocal versus Robin's. Right. But I feel like that paved the way for people like, you know, Selena to have Charlie XCX literally record the entire chorus of one of her songs and not even acknowledge that she's on the track. You know what I mean? Right. Speaking of J-Lo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another day, another drama, Troy. Another day, right, another seriously. drama. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, justice for Ashanti. That's all I'm saying. Um, we hear you. We hear you. <laughs> but no, and then I, I read too that it was this song in particular. This was one of the first songs that they recorded uh, from this album. And it was a real... Like it really changed the recording process for her and the producers because they got a firsthand look at how out of control her life had become. And a lot of these people, like you said earlier, Bloodshine Avant, and you know, these are people that had worked with her for at the at that point, like seven, eight years. And all of a sudden they couldn't go outside together and they couldn't, you know, she could barely make it in the door of the studio and they had to record at her house because she couldn't leave and her whole life had changed. And I mean, that experience played such a big part in what this album ended up becoming as far as them witnessing that happen to her and then being like, well, this is insane. Like your exactly. life is really crazy right now. Totally. Um, the last thing I'll say about piece of me is um well, two pieces of this this song. A, I love that Derriere is thrown in there. I'm like, yes, give me Derriere in every song. I freaking love Seriously. it. I love that she just wasn't like ass, like I'll see my ass in every magazine. Like they they really worked. They definitely did some workshopping on that one, which I love. Um, and I love that you talk about how this is the most straightforward and you know, pointed a single slash track on an album has been because I think at this point in her life, Britney was not super relatable given all of the antics and all of the 
scrutiny that she was receiving. But when she sings Miss American Dream since I was 17, you better believe that every 17-year-old was like, that's me. I'm right. Miss American Dream. I mean, I would I was like dancing around in my college dorm room, like with the lowest rise pants I could muster with a fur right. vest, bleaching my eyebrows, being like, I'm Miss American Dream. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. That's Britney. That's only Britney. Only Britney is a Mar- Miss American Dream at that point. But we all felt collectively like we were her, you know? And I think that's the totally. power that she holds. Yeah, very. Yeah. And that lyric alone is just like, and I remember reading something about how the, um, she had to like really fight to like get this song on the album because the label was like, it's too, you know, it's a little too aggressive. It's a little too straightforward. Um, but yeah, just hearing her say, I miss American dream since I was 17 is like, it always gives me goosebumps every time. Cause it's just, yes. even hearing her acknowledge it is so cool. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Um, let's move on to Radar. Radar. Here we go. Okay. Um, so Bloodshy and Avant also did Radar. Um, Radar was also on another album. Or no, it was released in a different album cycle. So it was yeah. kind of like, what the hell? What? <laughs> yeah. Where, where did this come from? This is weird. Um, and, but at the time, like, obviously it was new to everybody. So, uh, I, I obviously did a little research here. They did Freak Show and Radar, which I think is interesting because like Freak Show, I Freak Show is one of my favorite tracks on the album, but I I don't see that many similarities between the two. So I think right. it's nice that she had those two producers on this album to help kind of differentiate each track from each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Bloodshine and Avant are, I guess, specifically when it comes to working with her, like they they make some of her weirdest songs, but they, even though they work together all the time, they never make songs that sound similar. And I think that's yep. crazy. Like I even agree. the most talented people, even somebody like a Pharrell, you know, you can tell what a Pharrell song sounds like, even though yes. one of his albums sounds like a Pharrell song. Yes. But them, it's like, you can't, the songs are just good, but you can never tell why or, you know, that it's them specifically. Totally. Um, one thing that Radar always reminds me of is, you know, she's singing on my radar. And for the longest time before we like looked up the lyrics, we thought she was saying Amaretto. So we were like, <laughs> Amaretto. So now every time I think of like an Amaretto sour or something, I'm like, Amaretto, let's do it. <laughs> Somebody needs to option that. Like some Amaretto brand needs to option that for a commercial. Like I feel no, like it seriously. would work. It's Brittany at the horse at the the Kentucky Derby or whatever she's at in the video, like drinking an Amaretto sour. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> um, and also speaking of producers, another really big thing about Brittany's career, as I'm sure you know, is that she always works with you know, European producers from like Switzerland and whatever. And this song is just so like Euro club to me. It's just such a European sounding pop song. Like it, it sounds like it would be sang by like Brigitte Nilsson or something in the eighties. Like it's just like, so (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's really Euro in the best way. In the best. We love it. Um, 
Let me see if I have anything else written in my notes about Radar. I mean, I love it. I love the song. I love that it was released twice. Like, again, it's like, if you are a young person trying to understand Britney's career, it's like trying to figure out 12 Rubik's Cubes at one time. It's like, poor yeah. thing. If you go and you're looking into it, you're like, why the fuck did they release Raya's Radar? This doesn't make any sense. So... Yes, right. you're correct. It's, it could be confusing for one of the children to go back to try to understand her discog- discography because it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. And last thing I'll say before we end with this song is um, it was recorded one day after she filed for divorce from Kevin Federline. Oh, okay. I don't okay. know if that adds, adds anything mm. for anyone. The headspace she was in, I don't know. But uh, she was a newly free woman. Wow. Wow. Maybe she should have been singing Amaretto. Like, right, seriously. <laughs> maybe that was the original inspiration. And they're like, maybe Radar, maybe Radar. <laughs> um, let's talk about Break the Ice. Ooh. Okay. So um, one thing that I didn't realize when I first fell in love with this album was that Carrie Hilson was a pretty you know, prominent featured writer on a lot of these songs. And she yeah. was a featured writer on Break the Ice. Um, this song, I freaking love it. They, during the piece of me tour or not tour, pardon me, residency, they, they, it was like one of her costume changing songs. Um, and so they played it and played like a music video on the big screen. And I really would have loved to have seen her perform this because I think dance wise, it would have just completely killed and we would have oh, yeah. new choreography to emulate. But that Break the Ice is one of my favorite songs on the album. Me too. It's almost undeniable. Like yes. it's one of those songs in the way that you know, like straight guys like love toxic. Yes. That's like their yes. Britney song. This yeah. is another one where I'm like, it it would take a real I mean, Helen Keller would love this song, honestly. Yeah. It's really <laughs> <laughs> like it's this is a just a damn good pop song. It's just, it's just good. And I think that it encapsulates why this album is a pop standard. It's like when you hear the this is one of those songs that's so good that when you hear it, you feel like you've already heard it before. Cause it just sounds like it should have existed. Yes. Yes. Like, You're so right. Was- I love that you said that. That's that's perfect. That is exactly how I remember when I first heard this song, I kept thinking. Is this even her song? Like, I thought somebody right. else had either performed this or had put it out as a single. And just because it's so familiar, it, there's something about yes. the beats, something about maybe the cadence of how she sings it. It, I love it. And I also love her vocal stylings on this particular oh, song. Me too. Me too. Yeah. A lot. Really good. She, uh, she was seven months pregnant when she recorded this. Seven months pregnant when she recorded this song. That's incredible. Um, wild. I just, I'm like, I don't know if you've ever heard those videos of her recording these tracks, like ch- like crunching ice in between. Because oh, yeah. Yeah. she's like, I have effing pregnancy cravings. One thing that I learned that I, I really loved was how many people on this album that worked with her said that her work ethic is indisputable, undeniable, and incomparable, really. Um, and they were talking about how she was, you know, seven months pregnant at some points coming in, laying down the track, 
doing the damn thing and was still lovely and funny and charming and awesome, but like got the work done and had a lot of opinions on how she wanted to sound and how she wanted the track to sound. So I think oftentimes nobody listening to this podcast would, would say this because they, they understand Brittany and they know about her work ethic, but so many people just think that she was, you know, commercialized people told her what to do and you know they they did in a sense but like when it comes to the creative aspect of her job she was very very involved um yeah. and so yeah i like t pain who was like a, a producer writer on this um album the producers like you know avant bloodshy carrie hilson they all have mentioned how incredible her work ethic is and i i really love that they gave her kudos for that I know I love reading that stuff. I love when they talk about her just being like a like a terminator. Just like goes yeah. in, does the vocal, does all the layers, like like back to back to back for hours, doesn't stop. Like it's crazy. Um and I guess the last thing I would say about this song is that it also well, there's a couple things I'll say. The one thing first is that this song is another one that kind of has a thinly veiled, like this is a song from Britney to the public about the fact that it's been a long time since she's released music. She's saying, I I'm sorry, I kept you waiting, but I'm back to basically take over the music industry again and show the girls how it's done. And I just love that. Um, <laughs> and also this music video is when we recorded for your episode, I said that um, I, I think I said that it, when it comes to Britney and conspiracies, like, Britney is at every level of conspiracy theory. Mm. She's at the top tip, tippy top of the iceberg and she's at the very bottom. However deep you feel like going, wherever you fall into being a conspiracy theorist, Britney is there. And this music video features her uh, animated because she didn't want to release. There was some um, dispute with her label about which song to release next. And she basically wouldn't film the music video because she wasn't getting her way and they just animated her and said, we're going to release it against her will anyway. Um, And to make it even worse, they animated a video where she is a clone and it's her going into a laboratory and killing all these clones of her. It's really dark. It's dark side. Totally. I mean, I think it just shows how, manipulated and taken advantage of she was and still is in her career yeah the fact that she's like i'm not showing up and they're like oh that's okay we have a hologram ready of you we've been waiting to pull it out of the uh, suitcase there seriously Um, this won't come as any surprise to anyone listening to this because i think that they like know my taste at this point heaven on earth is like one of my all-time favorite britney songs it's it's uh, for me, I love it because I, I keep bringing up it doesn't sound like a lot of what she used to do before, like prior to this album. It it feels euphoric to me when I hear this song. Um, it makes me like want to run faster or cycle faster or yes. like do whatever I'm doing on the next level because I feel the endorphins. They start to, Mm -hmm. they start to come when I hear this song. It's, it's such a pleasant song to hear. Yeah. It's just, it euphoric is like, honestly, the best way to describe it. It's like, 
it's wild. And it's 80s synthesizer 808 heaven. Just like, no pun intended. Like if you are, <laughs> I always compare songs to uh, whenever the girls have like an 80s moment, I always compare it to Carly Rae Jepsen to uh, Emotion. Yes. yes. Oh and my this kind of sounds like a song that could be on Emotion to me. I would love to have a Britney album that was strictly just 80s influenced. Yeah, I wrote in my notes that it reminds me of a song that would also be on Madonna's True Blue album. Like, mm-hmm. it's just very early Madonna. Um, it also kind of sounds like a song that would be in, like, an 80s soundtrack, like Weird Science or something. Yes, yeah. You know? Like, I can hear it in the background of a really iconic 80s movie. Um, Troy, I want you to... Um, pick an 80s movie and then edit a video uh trailer <laughs> using all Britney Spears songs like I instead of it done instead of everybody wants to rule the world and immaterial girl you're just using all Britney tracks to facilitate <laughs> this trailer i think that would be incredible incredible content no that would be an absolutely amazing honestly i'm already seeing it in my head you had me at edit a, a, a video and put Britney in it. Like, consider it done. Um, say no more. Say lovey. Um, and also, I guess before we move on to the next song, I just wanted to say that her voice in this song sounds incredible. Just so... I love when she sings at that really high, just angelic register. And um, at the end of the song, she does like a run. And it's just her voice for a couple of seconds. And it is so good. Glorious. Glorious. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about Get Naked. What do you think about this one? Get Naked. Get Naked. You know, I think I. it's it's funny because I was going to say I forget about this song. Um, I think a lot of people would be like, are you crazy? But this song was never like the big standout for me. It's not the one that I would listen to right when I first got it. But now when I do listen to Blackout, I find myself rewinding and going – rewinding. I'm like 87 years old. I, I just do the same thing all the time. <laughs> going back and listening to that song specifically, it's – I love uh, the distortion of the voice when it's singing baby, baby, baby. I, I love that she plays – with auto-tune. I love that she was playing with, you know, synthesizers and things of that nature to kind of alter the vocals, which I'm a big fan of that in general, but with her, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I wrote, I wrote in my notes that it's experimental. It's extremely weird. It's kind of creepy in a good way. Um, you know what I mean? It's dark in that, in the way that this album is just dark in general. There's a darkness to it, though, that feels, like, kind of creepy, but it's cool. And, again, very just, like, Euro. It's just, like, very European to me. Um, I wrote in my notes that Britney has a handful of songs that do have a sort of uh, haunted house fantasy to them. And Get Naked is kind of haunted housey to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, please, Troy, don't get me started on, <laughs> on haunted house Britney because... You have to know that because of her recent, you know, Instagram posts about how she's a vampire and right. how she's like wearing these like high necks and stuff like that. I'm like, right. girl, can you give us like a Kim Petras haunted Halloween album? Just 
figure yes. it out. I don't I don't know how you need, do I need to drive to Hidden Hills and like have you like slip it under your door? I don't know, but give us something haunted. I think Brittany Brittany is dark. Brittany has so many dark elements to her and mm-hmm. like put this put this on the album and have Elvira remix it. Elvira oh makes killer remixes. Um I, I would die to have like a haunted Britney album. It would be incredible. Oh I keep saying God. incredible. Sorry guys, but it's it is it would be awesome. With danger in the background going, I'm gonna play with it's like, are you like this is literally the the epitome of haunted house music. Like in the so if like there was like a haunted house club, this song would play. <laughs> well, it, yeah, like uh, a haunted house orgy, like a haunted house sex club. Right. One of yeah. like this this song is very explicit. Like I want to read. I, I pulled up the lyrics because I'm just. I remember thinking, oh my god, this is like, if I get on top, you're gonna lose your mind. The way I put it down on you, you know, should be a crime, ma'am. I am hot and bothered. I'm hot and bothered by this lyric. <laughs> Holy crap. But like, I mean, it's 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 an explicit song, has that haunting element, basically everything my Scorpio moon could want in a song. So I, I've yes. come around on this song. I almost have had the exact same journey. When this album came out, it was not, this was not, there were just so many bright spots on this album for me that this wasn't like what I went to. But it became one of those songs that if I allowed it to play the whole way through, I would be like, oh, I like it. I just have to remember that I like it, you know? And then it like it started happening, but it wasn't it wasn't an immediate thing. But yeah, it's just it's danger and Britney being their most weird and it's cool. Let's move on to freak show. Yes. Oh my god. I tie I tie her music to performances as you all can tell because i keep referencing like music videos and the the residency um if you haven't seen piece of me live this is where the crowd interaction happens they typically Mm -hmm. pick somebody from the audience it could be a celebrity it could just be a mega fan and um after the first chorus they bring somebody out in uh you know, in chains, they're crawling on the ground, walking through to the runway, and then they crawl all the way to the runway while the backup dancers are whipping them. And Brittany <laughs> ends up doing a little dance for that person and then ends up signing like a shirt or something that they have. So um, this is one of the funnest parts of her former live show. And I'm obsessed with the bass production in this particular song, like, you know, when people, you said people hear, give me more. And it's like, when I hear, I just, Oh my God. Put it in my veins. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people, when they were reviewing this particular song, when it came out, they were saying that this is like her rap debut. I did not, I have never felt like she was rapping on this song at all. Um, I don't think she would ever try to rap. Brittany knows better. Um, So it's really bizarre to me how critics that have covered this song in particular, because, you know, when it was the the, uh, 10th anniversary in 2017, everybody was putting out like why Blackout is the most iconic Britney Spears album. 
But this was not a rap song to me. This is like Britney talks like this a lot on many of her songs. Right. <laughs> so I don't yeah, get it. She's just like being f- melodically fun. It's yes. not like, you know, I agree with you. Um, I definitely, <laughs> I, I think that this song has a really strong, it feels like it has a strong legacy with her fans. It just feels like it. Like, it feels like Freak Show is a song that a lot of people are um, feel a connection to and really love. And I do remember when it came out that during the time, you know, it was like right before pop music was sort of shifting into that like EDM electronic, like Skrillex kind of gig. It was like right on the cusp of that. And yes. I remember Freak Show being a big deal on the internet. And actually when I went back and did research, um, I like, this always happens to me, but I got, I ended up on some crazy message boards where people were talking about the song, like the, like the week or day or whatever that the album came out. And this song is the first mainstream pop song to feature like an authentic in quotes dubstep beat, which yeah. is ironic because then dubstep went on to become the next like eight years. But this, I guess the reason that this song has such a strong, uh, legacy is is because of that because this song is one of the biggest reasons this album is considered a legacy album and why it was introduced into the rock and roll hall of fame yeah yes i love um, i love that freak show is is that reason i love that the, the name freak show <laughs> is in there <laughs> i know and i just like pictured like these old white guys like choosing the rock and roll hall of fame songs and hearing bum, 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 and like hearing her like <laughs> Singing about going out with her, her girlfriends and like finding like a guy to fuck that night. Like I just loved the, the image of that. Yep. Me too. Me too. It, um, it helps me sleep at night. <laughs> right. <laughs> this next song is major for me. Toy Soldier. I love this song. Tell me everything. Okay. So Toy Soldier makes me laugh because it's this is about like Brittany is looking for okay can I quote some I want to quote Vice I think this is hilarious this song is about come more specifically it's about wanting an absolute warrior in the sheets do I do I really need to say anything else (laughs) like Vice Emma Garland specifically I'm like you know what call a spade a spade like we don't need to beat around the bush here this is exactly what this song is about why is the song monumental to you? I need to know. I I also just think it's so funny. It's so cleverly written. There's so many lyrics in this album in general that are are clever to the point that I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me right now with this lyricism? It's so funny. And I mean, obviously, it, I think it has a lot of, you know, it's got like triple meanings, you know? And there's obviously yes. an element of it that you could say is about her her relationship status. You know, she's going through this divorce and she's saying, you know, this time I need a, I need a real man. I need a man who will take care of me. And I'm, I'm sick of dealing with uh, with like little boys. Actually, I wrote down the lyrics for anybody for anybody who somehow in the past 10 years hasn't managed to listen to Blackout. She said, this time I need a soldier, a really badass soldier that knows how to take take care of me. I'm so damn glad that's over. This time I need a soldier. I'm sick of toy soldiers. A boy who knows how to take care of me won't be just coming over. And 
I love this part at the end where she says, I want it more than ever now, realized that they ain't listening, like a princess supposed to get it. That's why I'm dusting off my feet, coming back looking delicious. Yes, I know they want to kiss it. Now I'm holding their attention because new Britney's on a mission. It's like, it's, it's amazing. It's just, it's iconic. It's sexy, but it's also a great look at how she was feeling given the situation with Kevin. So sick of the bullshit. We hear that a little bit later on the album as well. Um, And, you know, Britney does do a lot. She does tongue in cheek really well. And I actually love like the, the title of this particular track, Toy Soldier. It does seem like it might be tongue in cheek, but she really is giving you exactly what she's thinking and how she's feeling. She's, she doesn't want to deal with this immaturity and this crap. She already has enough chaos in her life at, at this given moment. She's one of the biggest stars in the entire world. She doesn't need her partner to be a source of that drama. Um, and she doesn't want to parent him. She wants someone that's going to be a warrior for her, whether that's looking after her, taking care of her, or in the bedroom. So right. um, I, I, I love that about it. I also love like the drumline kind of like marching band beat yeah. that we get from this. It's like very on theme. Um, so she really, she brings it all together in that way, both lyrically and uh, production and, and musically. And that's what I think makes her such an iconic artist. Does this song at all make you think of Missy? Because to me, it like it sounds like a Missy Elliott song. Like it almost sounds like Work It. You know what? That's so you're so smart. You're so smart. I never <laughs> would have put that together, but now that you say that, yes, that's incredible. And I think that, you know, one thing that we don't everybody loves to say Britney is inspired by Madonna. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, Britney and Madonna, always comparisons, whatever. And that's totally fine. There were definitely some comparisons there. But Britney was heavily influenced by people like Janet Jackson, Prince. Um, I mean, I would say Janet Jackson more so than anybody else, in my humble opinion. You're Michael still Jackson. Home on this podcast. Yeah. It's like, why are we still doing this Madonna comparison? Like, But I also think she was inspired a lot by Missy and maybe this was her way of kind of trying to integrate that sound. Like has, has Britney ever worked with Missy? No. Could you imagine Um, what that would sound like? Can we, can we speak this into (laughs) existence? I mean, I know she has bigger fish to fry right now, but once she gets back to making music on her own terms, like please get Janet Jackson involved, get Missy on, you know, even if it's just behind the scenes, like we'd love for a right. verse or two, Missy, but I, I want to hear what Missy could bring to the Britney universe. Yeah. The end of it really reminds me of, or right before the, the breakdown where like the, the spoken word part where they're like, I heard he said he's still in love with you now. Those people talking like that is yes. so Missy. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I love it. I love your mind. I love your mind. I want to just live there. You be, I mean, you kind of do, honestly, like we're, we're very, (laughs) you're very at home on this podcast, honestly. Um, let's talk about hot as ice. Okay. So yes, yes, yes. Initially the name was cold as fire, Uh right? Yep. And that's because why Perez Hilton leaked <laughs> so many tracks right. from this fucking album because he's a terror. 
Um, and the label was like, okay, we got to push up the album release from November to October. That's why it came out the end of October instead. And they changed the name to Hot as Ice, which I actually think Hot as Ice is a better name. So she lucked out on that one. But um, T-Pain has vocals on this song. And I don't think a lot of people realize that uh, T-Pain has an incredible voice. For those of you that did not watch The Masked Singer, that man, he can sing. And he's one of those magicians where you think that he only can sound good because he has auto-tune on all of his like popular popular singles. But um, he's incredible, an incredible producer and singer in general. So um, maybe that's why... I I just want to snap every time I, I think of the song. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, I want to get down. I, I know. A, a good Britney snap where you like move from like left to right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, this song is, and I can't believe that I haven't said this about any of the other songs yet, but I mean, it, thank God, because I would have said it a million times that it come to my mind. You cannot categorize Britney's music. Like, even if you try, it's almost impossible. And it's almost like just saying that it's pop music is just like the easy thing to do because what else would you call it? Mm. And this song to me is almost the perfect example of like, what would you even, like, how do you categorize a song like this? You know, it's influenced by so many different things. It's like a melting pot of all these different sounds. And it's just again, it's experimental, it's weird, it's infectious, it's it's catchy, it's fun to sing. I I love this song so much. And I mean, yeah, and also like the Perez Hilton of it all. Like I hate that he I hate to think like what so many albums could have been had Perez not like ruined them. Like he used to love leaking people's music so that it would ruin their release date and I mean, it's not to say that I wasn't on Prez Hilton, like, in my roommate's, like, dirty, trash-filled room listening to this on her desktop. Like, we were both crying listening to those demos. And this one in particular, like, I can still hear it in my head. But, like, you know, it's just so – he's the worst. And the thing that we would be remiss not to bring up when it comes to Prez Hilton is that we made him. Like you said, yeah. you know, we were the ones consuming the content on his website. He really was the only person doing that at that time. And mm-hmm. it was my gateway into Hollywood and LA and what was happening. And, you know, especially Britney Spears, because he was covering her nonstop. So in a way we made him and we allowed, because of that, he was allowed to pull bullshit on that level. Um, right. But- Ultimately, I think it worked out. I I think it worked out. The album was great, so it doesn't matter. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's heralded as one of like the best albums of all time. So you know, she's she's fine, obviously. One of my favorite things about this song, other than that, it's a total bop and I dance my ass off to it, is that she includes the word fuckery in the lyrics. <laughs> it's like this is why I love this woman because I can hear derriere in one song and it it it's perfect. And then, you know, this distorted fuckery, like 
pop stars were not using curse words on that level in their music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and, and I say that word all the time now and people are like, right. oh my God, you're so, like, this is so funny. Where did you get that? I'm like, hello, have you not heard Hot as Ice? Like, <laughs> <laughs> very important to me that you take people a listen to this. were you in 2007, girl. Um. <laughs> Agreed. And I love that she like kind of uses her um her southern accent in the song too. You know what I mean? Can't that would. can I get a witness? Yeah. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Oh my god. So Kentwood, good. Louisiana is like quivering. They're absolutely right. quivering that she she's calling for a witness and using fuckery in the same song. Right. Shout out to um Mima's uh crawfish stand or whatever it was that Brittany worked at as a kid. Shout out to Kentwood, Louisiana. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Ooh, Ooh Baby. I'm I'm anxious to hear your thoughts about this song. Okay. I'm going to be honest. This isn't my favorite track. I could do without it. Um, I, I, in the Brittany extended universe, I've heard some people say they think this is a better version of Womanizer, which oh, okay. I don't know if I agree with. I do because I like Womanizer as a as a you know a single. But me too. For for me personally, I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. It's not the it's not a song that I necessarily look forward to. I I tolerate it, but I actually don't have that much written down about it in terms of like fun facts or reasons why I love it. Well, I wanted to know what you thought about it. Well, specifically because this is the only song on the album that's produced by Cara Deargardi. And it's the only one. And I just think that's interesting because it's, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily sound like any of the other songs on the album. And it's the only one that's produced by her. And I know that there's a Pharrell song, but that one to me still feels like it's a part of the collection. Whereas this one feels like it could be like a bonus track or something. I agree. I think that this song would have been a better bonus track than the other, you know, three songs that were on the extended release. Um, right. Kara, that's so interesting. We keep talking about how none of Britney's music in terms of like producers sounds the same, but they're produced by the same people. It's very homogenous. But I this is one that I'm like it it sticks out like a sore thumb. It doesn't sound like it belongs on this album. I'm surprised they included it. Um and yeah, it's kind of like nothing to write home about for me personally. Yeah. I agree with that. It's very um it's also very like earwormy and not in the way that like Britney's songs can be really infectious. It's an earworm. It's more just like yeah. I'm walking around all day saying Yes. Like it's, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not one that I ever was like, I got to listen to Ooh Ooh Baby before I like leave the house or whatever. Um, And I don't turn away from it. It just sort of exists. And yeah, I don't have a lot of notes about it either. Awesome. Um, So I'm happy that we're on the same page with that song. (laughs) Yeah, what if I was like, Ooh Ooh Baby, critically acclaimed, like in my head, it should have been a single. You're like, what the hell are you talking about? I have the lyrics right here on my wrist. Ooh, ooh, baby. Um, <laughs> no, uh, let's move on to Perfect Lover. I love this song. Okay, I love it too. The only thing I have written is horny. That's all I have. <laughs> Just horny. 
<laughs> Self-explanatory. This song is definitely horny. It is like, it wants you to know that it's ready to go. It's rearing and ready to go. It's a cat in heat, honestly. Yes. I think that it could have been a great single. And uh, I think that it had potential to really dominate the radio. I mean, can you imagine this song like on the radio? It would have been crazy. Exactly. You're so right about that. And I also, I wrote down in my notes that I like that the production's kind of pulled back so you can hear her voice really good. You can really hear her singing. There's not a lot of effect on it. Um, the bridge is insane. Again, experimental, weird, catchy, absolutely. I mean, I actually wrote down the lyrics of that part because they're so, again, clever lyrics. Pull up to my bumper, need a jump, not a chump, fill me up, I'm running low. Let me drive you crazy all night because I got so far to go. Are you kidding me? Pull wow. up to my bumper, need a jump, not a chump, fill me up, I'm running low. That is, <laughs> Shakespeare could never and has never and will never. <laughs> Britney, Britney Spears, which, like, how do we co- co- combine William Shakespeare and Britney Spears? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is Madonna's favorite, one of Madonna's favorite Britney songs. She said many I times love, that this is like, yeah. I love your fun facts. This is, this is obviously why I subscribe to Denzo. I'm like, give me all of the tea. <laughs> well, I've talked about this last song. A couple times, but I never get sick of talking about it. It is very important. It's canon to me. It makes me very emotional. I would really, really love to hear your thoughts on why should I be sad. Okay. Love this effing song. This song should get more praise than I think it actually does get. I feel like if people that weren't Britney stans heard this song, it would make them fall in love with her. Uh-huh. She is so direct. It's It reminds me a lot of Piece of Me in that she is, I mean, she's calling out Kevin Federline. Like, listen, you bum. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? It's it's Britney at her best. Um, this is produced by Pharrell. And, um, you know, Pharrell, I don't know if maybe you've talked about this on the pod before, but, you know, uh, Pharrell as a producer has his trademark, which is... Mm the beat at the beginning of every, of every song. Bum, bum, bum. So if you hear four ticks on a song in some capacity, you know, you can hear it on Ariana Grande's R.E.M. Um, mm-hmm. There's a song that he did with Miley Cyrus that's, uh, you know, in the same vein. Everything that he's worked on, he has that for the most part. Um, right. And so when I first heard this, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a Pharrell. Totally. And you know, um, I, can we read some of the lyrics? Like, yes, I wrote them down. Of course, you want to read them? Yeah. So, okay. Why should I get mad? Feel sad? Who knows? I mean, if you didn't feel like shit listening to this, Kevin Federline, I don't know. You must have brass balls because literally, she's saying, "I don't. You're not even worth me wasting any time on being emotional about." Like, right. I bought I bought you shit. I took you everywhere. I facilitated your lifestyle. By the way, she still facilitates his lifestyle. Um, right. And, I mean, damn. I-, I wish I had 
I wish I had the gumption to like send this to my ex-boyfriends and and write something like this about my ex-boyfriends because this is that that zinger that the I love that she ends technically with this song. Yes, for sure. It's it's such a direct like you said it's so direct. I mean, this is like a this is a diary entry, really. And I love that the song is like her explaining how she feels and like you said sort of being like why am i even sad about this deadbeat piece of shit and then pharrell being like come on Brittany, let's go come on yeah. Brittany." you know what i mean like it's just like it's so playful while also being so emotional um i've read these lyrics in previous episodes in a previous episode i don't remember when but since we're here <laughs> I mean, you know, why not? It's the last song. Why not? It's just so iconic. They couldn't believe I did it, but I was so committed. My life was so restricted for you. I just dove inside it blind. Couldn't see what swam inside. I thought that'd be romantic for you. Exchanged my vows and said it all. Woman, let's prepare to fall. Even seeing, even screaming, damn it for you. My friend said you would play me, but I just said they're crazy. Well, I was crying frantic. Was it true? Why should I be sad? Heaven knows from the stupid freaking things that you do. Why should I feel bad or sad? Who knows? Just take it all as a sign that we're through. And then this last part I'm obsessed with when she says, I sent you to Vegas with a pocket full of paper with no ultimatums on you. I thought what could separate us, but it just seems that Vegas only brought the player out of you. Lavish homes and fancy cars, even got the drop Ferrari. I filled up my garage for you. You made your choice with all the teams, people and us magazine. Tell me who would I do that for who? And at the very end, she says, and don't you worry about our angels. All the magazines trying to intervene, saying things in the gossip section. They'll get good guidance and be trained well. Don't worry. I'll keep your your little secret when I ask this question. I love that you read the, the lyrics because this is lyrically one of my favorite Britney songs ever. Um, because she's putting it out on the line. Also, this wasn't a song that could have been really written for anybody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this was her and it was autobiographical. So I think maybe that's why I gravitate towards it too. I, I love any Pharrell track really. Um, the, only, the only Pharrell song that I just can't get into is The Light Is Coming from Ariana's Sweetener album. Oh, yeah. That's one song I just could not get into. But usually if he has his, you know, hand in it, I, I love it. And I love that he, you can hear him and he is that voice like, come on, come on, Brit. Right, exactly. Like you said, so you know, no, no need to deal with this man anymore. She is showing off the fact that like, I'm Brittany fucking Spears. I mm-hmm. have money. I have fame and I'm doing these things and I'm feeling like an idiot for you. Like you're, you're playing me for yeah. a fool. Me, Mr. Federline, like no yeah. more. You're not a doing backup this. dancer from Fresno, sir. Yes. Like get a grip. So I, I love the song just as much as you do. And I think it's truly one of her best. My prayers are continuing to go out for a Britney and Pharrell album. Like I would love for Pharrell to just, to I mean, the songs that they have done together are just Britney to me at her absolute peak. And he really, to me, brings out like the Janet in her. Like obviously Slave for You is just like, so Janet. Yes. And Boys is also so Janet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I would love that. 
I have um, a note about Pharrell um, just saying like he's always had Britney's back, not just musically, but personally. Um, he's he's always said like what that woman is going through or has gone through, no person should have to endure that. And I really appreciated him being one of the only people to speak up that had a platform like in defense and like in regard to her you know, being her best self. And um, apparently the song was also supposed to be called stupid things, which I, I, I think is interesting. So, um, but I, I love that it's called, why should I be sad? Like, me too. It's so blase. Yeah. It's so blase. Why should I be sad? Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's very, like, it reminds me of like, um, Taylor has a song on the Lover album called uh, I Forgot That You Existed. And it's very that. It's just like, you know, I can't believe I was ever. I love that you brought that up because, again, another Taylor parallel. I think that she, as she, you know, keeps growing as a writer, she's an incredible songwriter. But there is a strong Britney influence in in Taylor Swift. And um, another song that actually reminds me of Why Should I Be Sad is from Demi Lovato's new album, The Art of Starting Over. And it's called 15 Minutes. It's very, it's it's like cheesy to the point of almost being trite. Like it's about her ex fiance, yeah, her ex fiance and him like crying on the beach in Malibu. And, you know, now you got your 15 minutes. I mean, and when they asked Apple, you know, for the launch of the album, this was what, last week? two weeks ago at this point, they had her go through each track and explain the symbolism and what was important about each track. And for hers, for the 15 minutes uh, track, it was something like just a bunch of dots, like da 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 like we don't need to explain what the song is or who it's about or what it's about. It's very much a, you know, a direct jab at my ex fiance and him taking advantage of me. Britney's influence. It's endless. Right. I know. It's endless. Nonstop. Nonstop. <laughs> well, do you have any, I guess, closing end of the chapter things that you want to say about this album? Anything that you feel like you missed? Well, this isn't about any tracks on like the original. There, you know, there's the extended version with like the bonus tracks. And one thing that I found interesting about um everybody, which I think does an incredible job of covering a song. Personally, one of my favorite Britney tracks. Um, the Cheetah Girls demoed that song. <laughs> Hello? And it was originally for Rihanna, but Rihanna had SOS. And when I hear SOS and I hear everybody now, the influence of, you know, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This and everybody from Britney's you know, from blackout, I'm like, Oh my God, there's so much influence on SOS. So it's so funny to see how those things kind of come together. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know why for some reason Rihanna sticks out so much, but I remember her talking a lot about blackout when it was released. Like every interview that she did, she was mentioning how much blackout was like really influencing her and how big of a deal it was and how great it sounded and stuff. So, yeah, if you guys haven't listened to Blackout in a long time, today is a really, it's the perfect day to just, like, make it really loud in your headphones or, like, clean your house or something to it. It's just, 
it's one of those like start to finish albums. Even like the one song that I'm like, meh, I always still listen to it, you know? Same. Yeah, I don't, there's, uh, this is a no skip album for me personally. Mm-hmm. So my advice, put on Blackout, go get vaccinated and then get ready to you know, <laughs> gallivant around the world when we can. Yes. My, if things were the way they used to be, I would be booking the quickest flight I could find to Vegas to go see Britney perform. But obviously, times have changed. So right. we'll we'll see. Um, right. I guess Troy, before we do end this, like what what do you hope? What what are you hoping to see from Britney this year, if anything? Or what are you hoping for Britney in general this year? I'm hoping that Britney this year specifically. I hope that we see some sort of like major development in her conservatorship and not, you know, we've had this like decade long, like give an inch, take them like, or uh, what's the saying? Like move forward to whatever and then go back, whatever kind of gig, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just I been so stop and go, you know, people and people thinking that something's going to happen and nothing happens. And I would love to see just like a, like one, even if it's just one major development, somebody being removed that she doesn't want involved in it just or somebody being brought in that she really really wants there something like really big just one thing at least i would hate to see another year of her just in limbo and having her court dates rescheduled and pushed back for the whole year and then she goes and nothing changes i hear you that's all i can hope (laughs) i won't go too crazy and say like i'm hoping that we finally get the ray of light album that we've been waiting for no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll be practical and say, I hope court goes well. Yes. Maybe 2023, 24. Like, totally. I'm not counting on anything of that nature. It's just like when people ask me, they thought her Instagram posts were like signaling that she was going to be on American Horror Story talking about <laughs> That's my favorite parents. thing that you said. And I'm like, ma'am, do you understand what is going on? She's not going to be on camera anytime soon please get your life right that's not correct i gotta lose my quarantine weight before her next album comes out and i I, you know what i mean like i can't be in the club grinding on the pole at this at this current state i gotta figure things out before that i have to get my mental state like to where it needs to be you know, right. like we have bigger, like I said, we have had bigger fish to fry. She has bigger fish to fry. Let's get everybody in a good spot. And then we can talk about residencies and new albums yes. and appearances on American Horror Story. Right. Her playing a vampire on Ryan Murphy's new production. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this with me. This was as fun as I thought it would be, but like way more. I'm obsessed uh, with you. I think you're incredible. And I want to speak this to in existence as much as I can. We got to get Troy a TV show, a Sirius XM radio show, like something. I, write a book. I mean, I, I don't know. I want. <laughs> yeah. Can we make this happen? I'm bound and determined to have this. I, I think the world of you and I think what you do, you do it better than anybody else doing it. So thank you so much. It was an honor to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. Tell people where they can find all of the things that you're doing on the internet. 
Okay, so Gloss Angeles, our beauty podcast, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we are also at glossangelespod.com. And if you're curious about the product recommendations or the articles that we talked about in each episode, you can access those there. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Gloss Angeles Pod. We have a Facebook group, the Gloss Angeles Glam Gelino. So if you're curious about beauty advice and what recommendations from real people, join that group. It's a lot of fun. And then you can find me at Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clubhouse, the whole thing. So find me on on the internet. (laughs) Kirby's just like, if you don't follow Kirby on Instagram, her stories are like, I don't even follow beauty stuff, but like, I know so much now. Like I've learned so much about like makeup and just so many things. Like you're incredible. So yeah, definitely follow. Thank you, love. Thank you so much. And I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.